Welcome to this episode of the Connections Healthy Gambling and Gaming Podcast. I'm your host, Tana Russell, with the Evergreen Council on Problem Gambling. I'm joined today by Joel Soper, author of Never Enough Zeros, which he wrote with Philip Weiss. If you'd like to hear his whole story, you can certainly go buy the book. This interview jumps around a bit in topic and just I just pick his brain. So I want to give a little trigger warning for a couple things. One is this episode, of course, we do talk about some large numbers. He mentioned some winnings, some losses, some things that have happened to him um, as part of the gambling disorder he's dealt with. And also trigger warning for the book as well. Um, should you choose to read it at some point, there may be some content in there which could be triggering to people in recovery or it could be very helpful. That's really for you to decide. Uh, but I just want to be sensitive to that for our listeners. Well, welcome, Joel. Nice to get to see you. Likewise. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Um, I really enjoyed your book. Thank you. I have, normally I'm more prepared. I have like a handwritten thing of notes in front of me we won't get through everything but we'll see we're just gonna go with the flow nice so joel soper author of never enough zeros with philip wife who and tell me a little bit about philip philip is a author he's done i believe seven or eight different books already and um you know funny story is I was writing my book and I'm like, I need some help. You know, I need someone that has some experience that can really, you know, dot some eyes and cross some teeth. And I put an ad on Craigslist and, you know, he, he answered and the rest, I guess, is history. Oh, that's fantastic. What can I ask? Like, what does he think about this, this book and your story and being a part of the process? He just thought that it was wild that, you know, someone actually lives like this or, you know, live like that. And he said, he, he's never seen anything like it. <laughs> so he got a, he got a big eye opener to the world of problem gambling. Just oh, big time. Yeah. You know, he did not know it existed, but now, you know, he's very aware of it. And uh, yeah, I'm glad that I got to shed some light on the topic with him and hopefully with a lot of other people, you know, gamblers or non-gamblers. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about yourself. And I really want to know like what the writing of this book meant to you. So a little bit about myself. I grew up in a uh, city outside of Detroit called Livonia, Michigan. And um, I was uh, the fourth kid. I was the baby. I had two brothers and a sister. And, uh, you know, traditional family, you know, my, my mom and dad were both Jewish. And um, I was raised, you know, uh, with Judaism in my life. I went to um, 
regular school and Hebrew school. So it doesn't make sense that uh, I got into this world, but but I did. And, uh, you know, like I say in the book, at the age of 14, I started working for a, uh, a friend's father who was a bookie. And uh, that kind of took me down my, my path that uh, I ended up doing all these crazy things. And it's what the book is all about. So at 14, you got thrown in the world of gambling. Yeah. And how old were you, would you guess, when it became a, some degree of an addiction? Well, I mean, I think that, you know, right away, I just gravitated towards it. And I went to, um, to this racetrack called the Detroit Racecourse. And uh, that was my first actual horse race and I think at that time I was 15 and uh, I rode my BMX bike to the the local bowling alley Clover Lanes and I walked across the street I snuck in through a window and got up to the clubhouse and then I met my you know my bookie and his friends and you know they gave me a tip on this horse bring on the rain and it wins and it have to be raining out. And that was it. I was hooked. I turned $20 into like $143. And I was, I was done. So, you know, right then and there, I was addicted. And, you know, as the book reads, you know, that was just the start of a tumultuous life with, you know, all the, the financial and the, the legal battles and mental battles that I endured along the way. And I know we chatted on the phone for a little bit yesterday, but when I was reading this, it I just was struck by how raw it felt. Right. You know, there's just a lot of emotion underneath things, both from emotional highs of the wins and the and the benefits it's had in your life, and then uh the utter devastation from all the damage it had caused. So it, it felt very raw. And I just want to say thank you for like being very real in, in, in the way you write and your personality comes out, but it, it kind of puts something relatable to this disorder. So what did writing this book serve for you like what did it do for joel well for joel it was a lifeline it was a you know a devastating loss that happened and uh you know it just it drove me nuts i think i explained to you you know i had multiple things happen that day like a empty net goal with 0.1 seconds a meaningless three-pointer and you know all which cost me a, a a lot of money and for whatever reason that day, it just, I just went nuts. I, I was just so fed up and I, I, I was so sick of these bad beats and these last second losses. And, and I truly believe that, you know, there was a higher power involved in, you know, making me lose. And I started throwing my laptop, my phone, you know, against my wall. And I'm just like, this, this is crazy. You know, this is, this has got to stop, you know, and, I don't know if I can stop because this is all I know. This is my life, sales and, and gambling. 
that's it. So I just started putting pen to paper and I wrote and I wrote and I wrote and I wrote, you know, and I just kept writing like Forrest Gump. He kept running, you know, so that's what I do. I had sheets and sheets of just my thoughts and, you know, obviously there was a lot of material and that's why, you know, I had to call Phil in to like kind of just piece everything together. So yeah. Serves as a, a lifeline for myself to, you know, help quit the gambling by writing down all these things that I've been through and seeing, wow, my life was really, really screwed up. And I've been through some, some crazy stuff, hell and back. And uh, yeah, but as I kept writing and, and talking with Phil, I realized that not only is this for me, but this could help a lot of people too. Yeah. And, and so what's happened since, since it got published? So since it's been published, you know, I've been on some podcasts, people have reached out to me and, you know, I've told my story. I've also, um, I went to Boston actually for the, uh, the national problem gambling conference. And mm -hmm. I, uh, you know, was selling my books there and talking to a lot of people and, you know, I have a lot of things in the work. I was on uh, Bloomberg, going to be interviewed by Wall Street Journal. There's a, a, a bunch of articles that were written about me already. Um, I mean, it's, it's really, you know, getting legs, you know, my story. Yeah. And can I ask how, like, your recovery's gone? Like, do you feel like it's making progress in the direction you were hoping for? Um, yeah, you know, down sideways, whichever, <laughs> you know, people ask me that question a lot, but it's, it's something that is the hardest thing I've ever had to do each day. You know, I need to keep myself busy, need to, you know, uh, do my business. I, I own a, um, you know, pretty successful landscaping business here in Los Angeles and, you know, talking to people like you and, you know, spreading the word that just keeps me, you know, away from the sports gambling, but it's difficult. Mm -hmm. You know, it's definitely hard when you've been doing something literally for almost 40 years and just stop doing it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's been, it's been, it's been rough, but I'm hanging in there. I got some good people in my corner that, you know, I reach out to, I have a, a therapist I work with and, you know, it's, it's going, it's Excellent. going. So it sounds like therapy, uh, fill in lots of time, obviously replacing with other things and also finding a new purpose. Yeah, exactly. You know, beyond just work the job and pay the bills, like a, a, a really meaning purpose which for you is it, it almost sounds like you're sharing your story and it's both healing for you and hopefully helping other people as well and knowing that it might be helpful and healing for them is also healing for you is that right that's exactly right 100 percent. yeah yeah and you're familiar with GA? Yes. Right. So it's like bringing in the 12th step earlier on in the process. 
Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Like stepping out of anonymity before we're <laughs> 20 years yeah. down the road. or <laughs> Yeah, you know, I, I might have done this thing a little unconventional. But... <laughs> you strike me as an unconventional kind of person. So maybe it's fitting for you. I don't know. <laughs> you have no idea, but I probably the most unconventional person you'll ever meet. So yeah, I, I do not beat to a normal drum. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and anybody that, that that gambles and you know did the things that I did for so long. Yeah. We're definitely different. So but you know, so far this seems like it's it's working and you know I really hope that I can continue this this journey. Excellent. Okay. So I told you this on the phone. I've got my scribbled notes here. Yeah. I'm going to just ask you about some of um, these things because you have um, a very unique way of, of wording stuff. And I'd love to just pick your brain a little bit on some of these. Go um, for it. At one point, you described gambling as chasing vicarious thrills. Mm -hmm. Do you remember what you meant by that? Can yeah. Describe like what's going through your mind when you're thinking about it as chasing vicarious thrills. Yeah, you know, you're just you're just always in this dream world and you're just chasing that yacht or that mansion on 12 acres and you're you're envisioning it and you know ironically if i would just stay the course with my business i would have got there probably 20 years ago but for whatever reason trying to get there with the sports gambling seemed like it would be cooler and faster and just you know a great story to be able to tell people yeah i got this yacht on the Dallas Cowboys game, you know, <laughs> just so you're you're always seeking these these thrills, and it's just uh, the dreams become nightmares. <laughs> yeah, and you know, I think what's interesting you just kind of highlighted is not just the dream of what quick money might get me, but the story behind it. Right. And an impression to leave on people. Well, yeah, because part of that's, the dream. well, that's the thing is that, you know, most compulsive gamblers, I mean, I can only speak for myself, but our ego is not our amigo. So meaning that we have big egos, you know, we want to show everybody that we're smarter than people and look at me, look what I got, look what I did, look how I got it. So I think that's one of the character defects of a compulsive gambler. Interesting, interesting. I would say if I could just play the devil's advocate, because I've worked with, I oh, it's just been, when I was doing counseling, I just got to meet some of the most incredible people, you know, from all walks of life, right. no two stories are alike. And I'll say the the, what you just described is true for some people, but can actually be quite opposite for others. Okay. They, 
don't want any um, attention or to be noticed. It is a way to disappear for them, which is I interesting. Could, you know, it might go one extreme or another. Yeah. No, I can totally see that side too. Yeah. Yeah. So that's interesting. Yeah. 100%. They just want to be left alone and isolated and doing their own thing. And yeah, mm -hmm. I was the exact opposite. Right. <laughs> right. Right. And, you know, maybe that's just personality or, I mean, you got thrown into a very high profile kind of environment at 14. So, right. I mean, you were basically raised in that. Yeah. It's all I know. All yeah. I knew, you know, that's yeah. it. I mean, gambling and sales, gambling and sales, that's all it is. And then, you know, obviously, you know, now that I have six months, my mind is still, you know, thinks the same way, you know, I still want to go to these fancy restaurants and I still do, you know, I mean, just because I stopped gambling doesn't mean I stopped the other stuff that I did, mm -hmm. you know, because that's a progression too. You know, I like to be the big shot. I go to fancy restaurants in Beverly Hills and I give hundred dollar tips to everybody because I want people to say, hey, who's that? Look at him, you know, and it's it's all bullshit. And it's just, you know, my ego. My, like I say, my ego is not my amigo. And, um, you know, obviously when you're selling and gambling, you don't have any time for relationships, you know, because your time's all taken up. So, you know, I, I lived a, a life with escorts as well, you know, and it was just a timing thing, you know, I had maybe an hour a night that I could spare to actually be with, with, with a woman because I want to be in action because that's what I do. So, you know, now I'm trying very hard to change all my patterns and to, to learn things I never knew. I never knew how to cook. I never knew how to even do laundry, any of that stuff. And, um, I have to program myself. I have to learn that stuff. And, you know, and it's not hard. I'm starting to figure out. I thought laundry would be real difficult, but it's easy. I thought cooking would be really hard, you know, but it's not that hard either. So, you know, I'm like, wow, you know, I can do this stuff if I want to, you know? Oh, that's fantastic. I'll, I'll, I feel like there's types of cooking that can be hard, but it doesn't have to be hard. <laughs> yeah. I mean, listen, I'm not talking about making like, you know, anything fancy. I'm talking about putting, you know, pasta and boiling water. You know, I, I just do the, the easy stuff, you know, and I'm, a, I'm, you know, pretty basic. So, yeah. Yep. Man, it's a whole different lifestyle and it's amazing how gambling just it takes over so many things people don't even think about like learning how to do laundry and cooking you it don't know how to do it. it took everything from me it took everything I didn't know how to do anything you know I'm still I mean besides selling you know I'm learning everything new you know I never made my bed I never you know, organized, never cleaned. I always had maids, you know, I always had people doing things for me because, you know, I knew how to sell and I knew how to generate money and making money for me is very easy. And I don't mean to sound braggadocious, but 
you know, it just is, you know, it's, it's my gift and my curse, you know? Mm -hmm. So I never, I never learned anything because my mind was so, you know, consumed by the gambling and being in action all, all day, every day. And, you know, about 15 years ago when, you know, live betting and all the different propositions and you could bet all around the world, that was it, you know, then, then it was, it was ball game over. Mm. Mm. And one of the things you did most was sports betting, at least at some 95% of the time. Yeah. I, yeah. I wasn't a big casino guy, not a big horse guy, you know, sports gambling. That's, that's my my One thing. thing that stuck with me that you talked about is how it even took your love of sports from you while you're betting on them. At one point you said the Super Bowl Sunday is annoying. <laughs> yeah. Right? Because like there's, there's less games to bet on. Exactly. I was like, man, that is not something I had ever <laughs> thought of that way before. And that makes perfect sense to me. Can you it explain does. that a little bit? Yeah, no, this is for the, you know, the, the extreme people like me, they'll, they'll think the exact same way, you know, Super Bowl Sunday, right? Everybody's like, oh, it's the biggest day to gamble. And, you know, all the recreational gamblers and all the people that don't gamble or are placing bets or doing squares or some sort of, you know, gambling on that day where us, you know, degenerate gamblers, you know, that are in action all day, every day, we're like, what the hell? There's only like 10 games instead of 2000 games because you know they want everybody to tune into the Super Bowl so to me it's just it's really annoying because you have all these people that don't gamble they're all gambling and you know and there's no international soccer there's no you know international basketball ping pong whatever it is that you're gambling on you know because they just want everybody to focus on the Super Bowl so, I mean, it's gotten better, you know, as far as like now because of the international sports, you know, there's a little bit more, but American sports pretty much shut everything down for the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. And you said eventually you'd even start betting on sports you knew absolutely nothing about, oh, not even one, a fan of. 100%. I mean, I can't even tell you, you know, how many things that I, I bet on that I knew nothing about. I, I, I think, you know, when I was in the Jewish halfway house, right? I was uh, confronted by my rabbi who was the actual, you know, him and his wife were the founder of this Jewish halfway house. And I got my phone back after six months and I gambled $430,000 in the halfway house. And that was my one thing that I couldn't do or I'd go back to jail. That's how strong this addiction is. And then, you know, he made me give him give him my account number and he's looking through the bets and he, you know, he's like, okay, we're going to talk to you in the morning. I go into the office in the morning. I think I'm getting thrown in jail. Like they're going to take me from the halfway house, halfway house and, and take me right to jail. And he's like, I got good news and bad news for you. I said, okay. He's like, what do you want first? I said, the bad news. He goes, the bad news is you're sick. He's like, we can't help you. You know, you bet $430,000 while you were here. 
you bet $10,000 on an international Chinese woman's basketball game. He's like, what did you have some inside information on that game? And, uh, you know, they're just looking at me like I'm crazy because, you know, I had like 100 plays in a day. So, yeah, no, I was betting anything and everything. And that's what it comes to be because it's it's all about the action. That's what it is. That's 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 the hook. And can we talk about some of the language that's used around this addiction for a little bit? Because you just mentioned one person basically said you're beyond help. Oh, yeah. You know, um, terms like degenerate or compulsive. You said one person called you constitutionally incapable, which is a new one I hadn't heard before. Right. Like what in your experience, once you realized, okay, this is this is not a hobby. This is an addiction. And you start sensing all this stigma, like what was your reaction to how people perceive gambling disorder or how you perceive it towards yourself, even? Well, towards myself, you know, it's it's a nightmare. It's just, you know, you're on a hamster wheel. Now keep in mind, I love to gamble. Okay. To me, there, there's nothing better than, you know, having money on a game. Okay. But I can't gamble like a normal person. Okay. A normal person, a recreational gambler, you know, have fun, do what, do what you got to do, enjoy it. But to me, it was just like this, this groundhog's day every day where, you know, I would make all this money during the day and then I'd gamble it all away. And it was the same thing every single day so it just got to be so mentally disturbing where uh, yeah first of all i don't know how i didn't jump off a bridge and and i almost did so and um you know how i just didn't just absolutely go crazy i just i had such this such a threshold because you know, I was able to to generate revenue from my business and bring in money that I was always able to to go the next day where most people would never last more than a couple of years. And I, I just, I lasted forever. And it was just, you know, each day was like living in hell. And, you know, when you're in action, it's cool. But then as you lose these bad beats constantly, and then the end of the day comes, then, you know, you start out with, you know, X amount of dollars, and then you end up with zero each day. You're just like, oh my God, every day, this is the same, same thing. So it's, it, it's crazy. If I were like a painter, I'm crafty, but if I were like a good artist, right? <laughs> Which I'm not, but if I were a good artist, like what I keep picturing is this image of like a tornado right. right you know how tornadoes they're actually quite beautiful they're fascinating people make their life's work studying them they're unpredictable they're circular and they absolutely obliterate everything in their path <laughs> right and it feels like that's a bit like what gambling did for you it, it was fascinating interesting unpredictable and then came in and destroyed everything in its path through your life that's a a, a very good uh, analogy <laughs> 
I don't know why that's what keeps coming into my mind. Um, but that kind of makes sense to me though. Yeah. Uh, just the, the, the way something can be so destructive and yet so like draw you in at the same time. Great. I mean, you know, as you're doing it each and every day that this is going to end bad, you know, death, prison, insanity. Those are your three options. And I've experienced two of the three. Okay. And I've been close to the third a couple times. So, I mean, you know where this thing is ending, you know, you know, it's just that it's so powerful and it has such a grasp on you that it doesn't matter that, you know, you're going to end up in these places because you're just, you know, you're, 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 you're thinking to yourself, well, today's the day. Today's the day I start my ultimate comeback and I win back the millions and millions of dollars that I have lost. And in our head, we, we believe that. And then it always comes crashing down to reality. So yeah, it's it's very insidious disease because you know we all know where we're going to end up, but yet we still do it, don't we? Mm-hmm. You know, you just reminded me of something I read out of um, the Girl Gamblers book by Stacy Goodwin. You both uh-huh. you both do such a good job of illustrating the illogical thinking that gambling disorder just sort of puts in there the intrusive thoughts that'll put in there she described once winning a her her gambling in the book was um online gambling on a cell phone right and so she described winning a jackpot like the jackpot she dreamed of winning and the woman on the phone said in 16 years i've never seen someone win this and she wrote wow it's that rare, but if I did it once, I can do it again. And that was the thought that came in, right? Like all of, like, I'm not, it's not logical to think that gambling will solve the problems it clearly has been causing and clearly has not solved so far. But the nature of the beast is that that appeal for that potential win will always linger. So true. So true. Because, you know, there's been weeks where I've actually won a, a large sum of money. Um, the very few and far between, but there it has happened. And you just keep thinking those weeks are going to keep coming. And they never did. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you went on the All In podcast. And you remind me of another episode I listened to on their show. Uh, you're one of two people now I've heard who talked about how gambling had led to large sums of winnings at some point or another. Right. And for many people um, who have gambling disorder, go to GA, there can always be that lingering, well, if I won big enough, then it mm. would solve my problems. And you're now the second person I've heard who basically has said, you can win big, it still won't solve your problems. Oh, no, that's right. That's... Here, here's XYZ that happened. It doesn't. Don't buy into that. 
delusion. Hence the name of the book. Yeah, <laughs> never, hence the name of the book, never enough zero. <laughs> You're like, let me just crush that one on the front cover. Can we just <laughs> kill that, <Let's, laughs> that belief let's... right now? <laughs> yeah, let's just show that cover because never enough zero. It doesn't matter. It does not matter. You set me up with the softball on that one. <laughs> that was perfect. That was perfect. Um, so you mentioned you're you're Jewish, and I, I pick up in the book you talk about just the the spiritual um impact it has. And at one point you wrote my, now my soul is exhausted. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's just so exhausting living that life, you know, and always asking God for bailouts, you know, please God, don't let me go to jail for a long period of time. Please God, don't let me lose these games again. Please, God, don't let me, you know, get hurt by any bookies or Shylocks. And, you know, I'm always going back to, to God and to my, my religion. And, you know, for whatever reason, he always helps, you know. And, uh, you know, maybe, uh, they, maybe the Jewish people are the chosen people. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But, um it's exhausting. You know, this whole thing, this whole, this whole life is just, just a, a hamster wheel. And it's just, you know, I'm tired and, you know, I'm 51 years old now. And it's, I feel like I've went 12 rounds with the champ and just gotten beat down. You know, I mean, I look at my brothers and my sister and they're all older than me. And, you know, I have, gray hair, full head of gray hair. I have wrinkles everywhere. I mean, I've aged horribly because of the gambling, you know, and they all look young, you know, and it's just, it's just, I mean, there's so many different aspects to this gambling and, and the different ways that it destroys you. And, you know, and it, it, it destroyed me with everything and even my, my religion and my higher power. Mm. You know, I do hope the thing about sharing your story and spreading positivity in the world, I always say there's enough negativity in it already. So I appreciate when people are intentionally putting positive out in the world. As you might never know, like the reach it has, but my wish for you is that just the knowledge that it's out there and it is, even if you don't hear specifically from people hey this helped me thank you I hope that that continues to just rejuvenate your soul and your spirit and bring healing to you on that deep core level me too so one more thing I want to ask you we might have time for a couple more um you wrote and you just kind of talked about this you're like I haven't aged well um you wrote feeling like you're trying to outrun our own mortality. We're also, yeah, page 72, we're also trying to outrun our own mortality as seen in the mirror of the soul. 
What does that mean? What do you think it means? <laughs> to me, it feels like it feels like being uncomfortable in your skin. You know, like what you were talking about earlier, if I can have these dreams and fulfill these dreams and have this story, then it's bigger than what I feel on the inside. Right. That's, that, that's part of it. And then the other part is that doing what I do, I just feel like, you know, I can do it forever, right? We feel this, this invincibility that nothing's going to be able to ever come to an end. I'm 51, I'm, I'm gonna do this forever where I'm going to, to lose millions of dollars a year and do sales and be the big shot and, you know, spend all this money at, at restaurants or with girls and it's just never gonna end, you know? that in our mind that's what we think you know eventually it'll come crashing down you know i just you know i nipped it in the bud you know before something bad happened again and before it did come crashing down but in my mind that's the way i thought i'm like oh yeah i'm this is i'm gonna ride this out till i die <laughs> you know? and it's it's crazy thinking it really is. You know, once again, though, you know, I was, I was blessed with the verbal skills that pay the bills, you know, and uh, I was able to, to, to keep, keep going on and, you know, go through these losses and, and still, you know, live the crazy life that I lived. But, you know, obviously it, it took a, a huge toll on every aspect of my life. So it felt like the hamster wheel that would never end. Exactly. Yeah. I think exhausting was probably a good word to use for that. Yeah. It, it sounds that, exhausting. It just tired. Oh my yeah. God. I just, I never forget. Like I would go like to either a Starbucks or somewhere and I'd be on my laptop and, you know, um, wherever it is and then I would lose the last bet and I would you know I would go go to my home and I could barely walk to from my car to my home because I was just physically and mentally just so exhausted each and every day and I would get up and I would do the exact same thing again year day after day month after month year after year crazy yeah All right, there was one of my favorite chapters towards the end. Yes, I love this section. Okay. Okay. Hiding in the shadows. Is it okay if I read some of your book on the podcast? Bring it on. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, a richness far better than riches awaits us. A new path beckons, one that's meaningful in itself rather than merely serving as an opportunistic stepping stone up. If people can't actually change their core makeup, that doesn't mean that they have to stop living altogether. We just need to reroute all the manic energy that's coursing through us towards something more positive, which has the potential to grow. You can still leave a legacy that's more substantial than a cautionary tale. You can redefine that victory, uh, what victory looks like and experience life's highs in new ways.
The worst of your past can inspire a better future for yourself and countless others. Besides, we already know where the road we've been on leads, and I really don't want to wind up there. So here's to trying something different every day and in every way. What have you got to lose? Isn't that awesome? Love that it. Is, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's so spot on. It is so spot on. Yeah. I yeah. love, you can still leave a legacy that's more yeah. substantial than a cautionary tale. <laughs> that, that's, the, that's the money shot right there. <laughs> you know, because it's true, you know? Because the way this thing ends is, like I said, insanity, death, or prison. That's it. That's how it's going to end. So why not try to, to rewrite a new version of yourself for the, the last chapter of your life? You know, I'm on, I'm on the other side of 50 now. So I'm on my, my second, uh, second half. You know, first mm -hmm. half is over. Mm -hmm. Second half is now, now in progress. So, so what's, what's the vision? What is the, if you don't want your, your first half of, of life, the gambling story to be the legacy, what do you want the next 50 years to look like? What's the, the vision for the legacy you do want to leave? You know, I want to, you know, have people live a life that they're proud of and they're happy with now the gamblers, right? Sports gamblers. I want people to bet on sports because it's in a euphoric feeling. It's awesome. There's, to me, there's no better feeling in the world, but if they could just educate themselves from the potential pitfalls and dangers that lurk ahead, if they get to my status or, you know, my extreme, then, you know, I've done myself and I've done these people you know, a huge mitzvah. Okay. I don't know if you know what mitzvah means, but that's a, a Jew, Jewish term. Um, and, you know, you're doing them a good deed, you know, and um, yeah, that's what I want. You know, that that's my legacy, you know, Hey, this guy really was a degenerate, a, you know, compulsive sports gambler that did some very, very bad things and burned a lot of bridges and ended up in some really bad, bad places to now he is a caring, helpful, giving back in a generous type of individual that, you know, you would want to be like, and, uh, you know, hopefully all that comes to fruition. You never know, but you know, that's, that's what I'm shooting for. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I like that you just acknowledge that, you know, your, your vision to help people is not just people that you feel relate to you really strongly, like already dealing with addictive issues from gambling, right. but also those who can at the moment still bet on sports without consequences to keep it there, to not end up developing the problems from it in the first place which i think is that's where kind of what we do as an agency in our responsible gaming kind of side of things that's a lot of what we focus on as well is that prevention piece 
let's prevent as many people as we can from ever developing gambling disorder as much as as much as we can help with that as well. Yeah, I agree. I think that's the key. I mean, I think, you know, and this is just my own personal opinion, is that once you get started and, and you get to the extreme like myself, it's, you know, it's impossible, nearly impossible to quit. So I think the, the best case scenario is not having them even start if they have, you know, the uh, potential to end up like that, you know, or they have, you know, addiction in their family and, you know, what have you. But, you know, I think the best way for them would be not even to place the first bet. So, but, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's my opinion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, I got to tell you one last little story because I just saw it. The epilogue is lighthouses. So, I don't have a lighthouse behind me here because I'm at my office uh, at home, but at my office at the office, um, <laughs> I have a little lighthouse picture because when I saw that, I'm like, oh, how beautiful that we ended up connecting because lighthouses have a very significant role in my life as well. Right. Um, as a counselor, one day in one of my own moments of deep self-reflection, my higher power said to me, you are, you cannot steer their ship, nor can you calm their storm in their life. He said, but I need you to be that lighthouse to show them the rocks and the dangerous waters so that they can choose their own path, how to navigate those. And so anyway, that's how I went from hating lighthouse artwork to then owning lighthouse artwork. Um, Makes sense. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I related to that on, on just a, you know, kind of a, a spiritual level that you're hoping uh, that this, this story and message will be a lighthouse for others as well to help navigate. Exactly. That's exactly what the, the hope and the wish is. So I just want to get get the word out, get into more people's hands, or you know, you can get it on Spotify now too. So, you know, they can get to the, the place that they want to get to. Excellent. Excellent. Well, um, we should stay in touch over the next few years. I'd love to keep hearing from you. And it it sounds like you're uh doing lots doing lots of positive things and getting yeah. and that your your story is getting noticed as being this um a source that can inspire and help people so yeah that's yeah, the that's the goal so trying to get it out there and you know i appreciate you and your time having me on here today and hopefully you know when the podcast you know comes out and people listen to it that you know they'll tell people about the book and about my story and you know, people will go out, get it and help people. So that's the goal. If you or a loved one is having problems with sports betting, you may want to look into self-exclusion on whatever platform you're using to make those bets. There's self-exclusion in brick and mortar casinos, and there's also forms of self-exclusion 
online. So that may be one thing to look into. Thanks for listening. Here's where to find us. You can learn more about the Evergreen Council on Problem Gambling at our website at www.evergreencpg.org. You can also find us and follow us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Please know that if you or a loved one is seeking help for problems caused by gambling, you are not alone and help is available. You can find help and resources 24-7 through the Washington Problem Gambling Helpline at 1-800-547-6133. That's 1-800-547-6133. There's help for anyone affected by problems caused by gambling, whether it's your own or someone else's. And we love seeing people get the help they need to live the life they want. Keep up the good work with what you're doing and, you know, hopefully you'll find your voice, you'll make a difference, you'll believe in yourself and you'll change the world. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> For those who don't know, I have that on a sign behind me on the wall. Because <laughs> the listeners can't see it, but it's <laughs> awesome. Oh, and the other one says, if you're always trying to be normal, you will never know how amazing you can be, Maya Angelou. <laughs> There you go. I love it.